You're listening to Nest Talk, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Now, here's your host, Christopher Linfont. Ladies and gentlemen of the Ravens block, my name is Christopher Linfont, bringing you another edition of the Nest Talk podcast, the best and most elite Baltimore Ravens podcast on the internet. Today is Friday, November 22nd, and this is Nest Talk episode 54, being recorded at about 1 p.m. in the afternoon. We've got a great show ahead for you, as always. Uh, Not so much news to talk about, but some other things going on in Raven circles we should definitely touch on throughout this episode. But before we get to that point, I definitely have to ask you to like this video on YouTube if you're listening on YouTube, or subscribe to the podcast on, on iTunes. Subscribe on YouTube as well if you're listening there. It always helps out the uh, podcast gets us out some new viewers. Um, we'll have some more announcements next week regarding a few other things, so keep that in mind. We're not there yet, but we have some things to talk about next week as far as housekeeping. Uh, of course, you can always find us on Twitter at Nest Talk or at Be More Feather if you want to find the Baltimore Feather on Twitter. You can find me at Chris Linfun on Twitter. Make sure you find us on Facebook as well. Um, just search up Nest Talk or the Baltimore Feather on Facebook, and of course, check out the blog BaltimoreFeather.com. For the latest, greatest Ravens news and opinion articles, you can subscribe to the email news list, and that will let you know every time a new episode of Nest Talk is published, and of course, any other Ravens news deemed worthy enough to get its own article on any given day. Now, uh, we do have some more sponsors for today's episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Bunny's Home Care. Are you having trouble finding suitable care for an aging parent or loved one? Does your family member have long-term care insurance but needs help maximizing the benefits? Bunny's Home Care takes a holistic approach to match your loved one with a caring, compassionate, and a reasonable caregiver who will improve their overall health and well-being. From the moment you contact Bunny's Home Care and speak with Bunny, you will feel how personal and important your loved one's care is to her and her staff. Not only does each caregiver go through a rigorous background check and training process, but a registered nurse also meets with each client and creates a customized care plan based on their specific personality and needs. Caregivers can help with such things as bathing, walking, dressing, companionship, medication, management, transportation, and shopping, and much more. Bunny's Home Care accepts private pay and all long-term care insurance plans and will work directly with your long-term care insurance provider to help ease the burden. Call them today at 443-842-6700 or go to the website and read all their five-star reviews at bunnyshomecare.com. Bunny's Home Care is a licensed, bonded, and insured home care agency in the state of Maryland. And also, we have another great deal for you at FOCO.com. FOCO, of course, one of the leading NFL merchandise um, providers and manufacturers out there. And today, again, we can offer you another 10% off, well, the same 10% off as last week. Again, this deal runs through December 12th, so use promo code FEATHER10 for all your Ravens gear for any Orioles gear, Yankees gear, Capitals gear, Seattle Seahawks, whatever it is, for you or someone else special in your life this holiday season, Feather10, the promo code Feather10, that's 10 with one zero at the end, um, will give you 10% off on your purchase at foco.com. And of course, it's just fantastic to have that extra 10% this holiday season when you're looking for someone uh, special to buy for or trying to treat yourself. Um, as we approach Christmas here, but of, of course you have to act fast because this promo code ends December 12th. That's the last day you'll be able to use it. So go to foco.com, pick out anything you want from the website, and use promo code FEATHER10 for 10% off your entire purchase. Okay, so without any further ado, let's head straight into the Ravens news this week. And as I mentioned earlier, there really isn't a whole lot of Ravens news to talk about. The Baltimore Ravens didn't make any roster signings this week, no practice squad moves, no new injury news. Um, no contract extensions, nothing really out of the ordinary for the Baltimore Ravens. All we're really looking at here is the injury um, situation surrounding the Ravens. Now, the Ravens had a few players that missed Thursday's practice. Unfortunately, the Baltimore Ravens website did not have the injury report available to me at the time I prepped this podcast, so I'm not sure what that's about. Maybe it's because they have the extra... um, Sunday in there. I don't know if they practice Sunday or not, but they had that extra Sunday in there because it's a Monday night game against the Rams. I'm not entirely sure, but thanks to Jeff Zrebic, we know what the, the participation record was for Thursday's practice, um, and here it really is here. Um, 
we had a few players that did not participate at all. Only one of them is dealing with an injury. Marshall Yonda, Errol Thomas, Brandon Carr, and Jimmy Smith all had vet days. The player with the injury, though, is Ronnie Stanley with an ankle injury. He's been banged up since that New England Patriots game. Not 100%, it seems, but Ronnie Stanley missing that Thursday. Not exactly sure what that's about. He played last week um, against the Houston Texans. He played against the Cincinnati Bengals after being a little banged up in that game. The Ravens signed Applefield to the practice squad for a little extra depth. They didn't need him. They ended up cutting him from the squad. So whether or not Ronnie Stanley you know, has a serious injury here, I'm not sure because he's kind of been in and out of practice for the past few weeks. My gut instinct is if Ronnie Stanley practices on Thursday, I'm sorry, on Friday or even Saturday because I think they practiced on Saturday um, this week because of the Monday night game. If he practices either of those days as a full participant, I would imagine he's going to go. Uh, limited participant, probably still going to go. But if he doesn't practice any day this week, I'm very concerned. And then, of course, we have James Hurst, who will probably fill in at left tackle if it comes to that. Now, there are two other players that are on this injury list for this practice. Again, this Thursday practice yesterday. Um, and they were both limited. And that's Chris Moore, the wide receiver. He's got a thumb injury he's been dealing with. And Michael Pierce, the defensive tackle, with an ankle injury. Now, both these players missed last week's game. Of course, you had Pecco and, and Ellis filling in for Pierce, and Moore really hasn't been part of the game plan at all this year. He's been a very, very disappointing player. So, you know, he hasn't really been missed as an inactive. And I would imagine Moore, even if healthy, is going to be inactive for this game. Anyway, it seems we are we are en- nearing the end of his tenure in Baltimore as we get closer and closer to the offseason here. But Michael Pierce is a different story. You know, impending free agent, of course, you know, they had to place the tender on him last year to keep him in Baltimore. What does Michael Pierce, you know, what does he bring to this defense? It's going to be that run-stuffing defensive tackle. You know, he's he is the premier defensive tackle on this line next to Brandon Williams. But with that ankle injury, can the Ravens really risk playing him if he's not 100%? Maybe he re-injures it in this tough game, this tough matchup against the LA Rams. We can't overlook this matchup. They might not be the best team in the National Football League this year. They're not what they were last year, but they're still a very good team. Okay, so Michael Pierce coming into this game, you know, he is going to be the most iffy player to go. Ronnie Stanley is going to be pretty clear-cut depending on how he practices, when he practices. But Michael Pierce, not so much. Now, we have Pecco, we have Ellis in there to relieve Michael Pierce. But is that enough? You know, I think Todd Gurley should be playing in this game. You know, he's been banged up quite often in his career so far. But I'm pretty sure he is uh, ready to come come into this game without a hitch. Someone's going to need to bottle him up. Someone's going to have to be that guy. Um, and maybe it's Pecco, maybe it's Ellis, maybe it's Brandon Williams. But without Pierce on that line, it will be difficult sustain that kind of production um, throughout in the, in the defensive in the defensive line unit. So um, so Pierce, you know, might not play. Moore is almost certainly not going to play. And I imagine that Stanley will play as long as, as he shows up to practice, full participant, maybe even limited participant. But he will be a little bit banged up. Now, of course, he and Pierce are the guys Look, even more, you could say, is looking for a contract extension. So not playing this late in the season would definitely hurt all of their contract situations moving forward. But I do expect both of them, um, at least two of these guys, to play. Um, Michael Pierce and Ronnie Stanley, as long as you know they are full participants in one of these upcoming uh, practices. Now, that's all the Ravens news we have for this week. Again, there really wasn't anything that happened this week, you know, aside from these in- injury reports. No signings. No contract extensions and extensions. I can't talk today. Nothing is really going on at Owings Mills, and maybe that's a good thing, especially this late in the year. We don't want to have to, you know, completely rebrand the roster a second time. Um, but we're going to move on to our new favorite segment this week in stupid. And I was debating whether or not this should be included because last week was kind of lame. But this week, I mean, this week there was a take so bad that I just have to throw it out there. And this guy, of course was being a real pain to everybody that was trying to disagree with him and have a conversation about why he was wrong, completely throwing facts out the window. And his name, you may or may not know him if you're not blocked by him on Twitter. That's Neil Driscoll. Now, Neil Driscoll writes for a website. I think it's Pro Football Network or something like that. Listen, don't go out and attack this guy. Don't go out and attack the website. It's just a bad, it's a horrendous take. This is, 
might be worse than last week's take. And last week's take was just stupid. But that guy must have been a troll. This guy is is pretending to be a serious keyword is pretending. He's pretending to be a serious NFL analyst here. And he says he said on Twitter that I live in quote I live in Baltimore. When the Ravens took Lamar Jackson, there wasn't one person here that said he was a good pick. Now they're all, quote, Lamar can't throw, right? End quote, group. Hypocritical. I'm sorry. How on earth do you come to that conclusion? How do you come to that conclusion? I honestly have no idea. There is, there was not one person in Baltimore, not even not even Ozzie Newsom? I mean, if he's a Noix Mills, when he makes a pick, maybe that's what it means. Not one person in Baltimore was in, in favor of Lamar Jackson. Look, I wouldn't argue with you if you said half the fan base was against it, because that's what my interpretation was. I was against it. You know, I retracted that statement now. I, you know, I think it was the right move looking back, but at the time, I didn't, I didn't think it was the right move. I'd venture to say about half or at least a third didn't think it. But on the flip side, at least half, maybe two-thirds of the fan base really liked the move. And it I have no idea why all of a sudden this guy, who covers the Miami Dolphins, by the way, decides that just because he lives in Baltimore, he can speak for everybody in Baltimore and nobody liked the pick. I mean, I had arguments on draft night with people about this. Go on the Reddit and look at the Ravens subreddit. Look at their draft night posts. How crazy it was. You're telling me not not a single person wanted Lamar Jackson? And furthermore, furthermore, for, furthermore, how is it hypocritical? Okay, how on earth is it hypocritical to say Lamar proved me wrong, he can throw, and the people who still think, who st- there are people out there. There was a guy on Twitter, some quote NFL analyst, another one, that said Lamar is still inaccurate right before the Houston Texans game. I don't know what film he's been watching. I mean, yeah, once in a while he'll throw an inaccurate pass from time to time. But what quarterback doesn't throw an inaccurate pass from time to time? So I don't know how it's hypocritical to say that, you know, to go after the people who still, who still say Lamar can't throw. If you convert, if you say, yeah, I was wrong, Lamar can throw, you know, that's what I did. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's not hypocritical. That's changing your opinion based on new evidence. But someone like, you know, Stephen A. Smith, for example, kept saying Lamar can't throw. And obviously he he's not a huge NFL guy. He's more of an NBA guy. But, you know, I like Stephen A. Smith. But he was wrong. When you criticize him for being wrong, it's not hypocritical because you once thought that. You're using new evidence. This is not hypocritical. And and what I think really is hypocritical, this Neil Driscoll character, when anybody disagreed with him, he would, first of all, he, he started attacking uh, the other blog out there, Russell Street Report. Don't know if you guys read Russell Street Report. You know, not exactly my forte, but they do really nice work over there. I, have, I like a lot of those writers over there. Started criticizing them for no reason, pulled out that, you know, the Ravens fans in M.T. Bank Stadium were booing the offense in the Chargers game. Um, you know, I personally said that I thought Joe Flacco should go in at that game at that point, not only because I thought, you know, mixing it up would help us win the game, but it would also take Lamar Jackson out from being pummeled because that game was so terrible for him. Um, but, you know, even if fans are booing, I mean, fans boo all the time. I don't know how that makes everybody hate Lamar Jackson and it was some fans it wasn't all fans and it's still it's a football decision to think that maybe Flacco should have come in which I still think was would have been the right move maybe they wouldn't have won the game but it would have definitely thrown the Chargers you know off their game plan but I don't see this as any way being hypocritical and I really don't understand why he decided to do this and of course you know as every, you know, wannabe hot take artist out there does, he decided that, hey, you know what? I have more clout than everybody because I have 5,000 whole followers. Like, congratulations, dude. You know, I have, what, 1.1 thousand, but I don't go around bragging to the people who have under me. 
and he was basically telling people that, you know, oh, you have less followers than me. Your opinion doesn't matter. You know, anybody who called him out and said, this is untrue, you know, me personally, I was in favor of it, blocked. Or I said to him, you know, are you sure you're living in Baltimore and not the land of make-believe? Blocked. You know, it. this guy out here is really saying, and, and I don't want to give him more attention than he needs because he's probably just searching for attention. But there are analysts, and you have to you have to look at these people. And if you're reading something and something doesn't add up to you, something doesn't seem right, you got to look at what they actually are saying when they're not writing. Because sometimes their biases come out. Obviously, this dude is super biased against Ravens fans for whatever reason. I don't know. This dude's major salty. I mean, he is just angry at the Ravens flock for whatever reason. And I don't know. I don't know why. But it is. It's such a stupid take. And of course, then to go out and brag about five thousand followers. Like, come on, dude. Like, really? You're gonna brag about that? Ugh. So that's, that's, that's Neil Driscoll for you. That's the guy who set the Ravens flock uh, completely against him in a matter of minutes with one single tweet. And now none of us can see his tweets ever again because he, he block, blocked us. And I must say thank you for blocking us because I don't want that on my timeline again, even though I got some nice impressions from that. more I get, you know, not to brag on this guy, but, you know, I get more impressions it looked like per tweet than him and I have less followers so if, if followers are a huge huge thing for him uh, he's, he's definitely doing something wrong there you know um, but moving on from this weekend stupid we'll see if this is a recurring segment because I honestly don't know how many more stupid takes I'm going to find I think I just got lucky with this you know with two back to back really really dumb takes um, about the Ravens and look I like going after the ones in the media especially someone like this guy who just you know was so so toxic to deal with you know just to show that you know people out here really don't know what they're talking about sometimes and you have to be careful with with which pundits you're listening to you know so but that you know we'll see if we can get more of this maybe it's not going to be this week and stupid maybe it'll just be you know something else but we'll continue looking at um stupid tweets and and bad takes throughout um podcast episodes here now i do want to touch on the miles garrett situation one more time because some news broke i think it was yesterday thursday um about miles garrett miles garrett's testimony to the nflpa i think it was honestly i'm not really that uh knowledgeable about the appeals process but he was appealing it and i think there's two people that deal with appeals um i think they're both former players but i'm blanking on their names and in this appeal he basically said that the reason he went after Mason Rudolph, and for those that, that didn't watch last week's show and, and haven't been on Twitter since last week and didn't watch the Thursday night game between the Browns and the, and the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, then you have no idea what go, what's going on. So I'll just give you a quick rundown here. Essentially, a little scuffle broke out at the end of the Steelers and Browns game. Mason Rudolph took a bad hit by Miles Garrett, and it was kind of a lame hit. You know, it was... 14 seconds left, and he threw him to the ground after he already threw the ball. Okay, not a great hit. Mason Rudolph looked like he was trying to rip Garrett's helmet off at the end. Definitely shouldn't do that. So Garrett rips Mason Rudolph's helmet off, and Garrett still has him, his helmet on, and Mason Rudolph goes to try to get his helmet back. And then Miles Garrett hits him over the top of his head with that helmet. A very, very bad move. Maybe it could have killed him. Maybe it wouldn't have killed him if it hit the wrong way. I honestly have no idea. I'm not a medical expert, but it definitely was not appropriate, okay? And it was dangerous. It was definitely dangerous. So that's what happened with Miles Garrett and Mason Rudolph there. A not-so-great discussion. Discussion leads to a not-so-great move by, by Rudolph, which leads to an even worse move by Garrett, which leads to the ultimate terrible act that Garrett did. And he got suspended and definitely deserves it, honestly. I don't care. Honestly, I don't even care what Mason Rudolph did. That's just not how you act on a football field or in general, that's that's assault. You know, that that's a crime. What 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 Garrett did on national television. Okay, so but there is some testimony here by Miles Garrett, and what Miles Garrett said is, you know, I don't know if I believe it, in all honesty, and I'll tell you why once I tell you. Well, I'm not gonna say exactly what happened here, but essentially, Miles Garrett says that Mason Rudolph direct directed a racial slur towards him. And you could all fill in the blanks on what exactly that word would be. Now, here's the problem I have with this. Number one, 
This happened a week ago. Miles Garrett didn't say anything about this for an entire week. An, an entire week. And the first time we're hearing about it, I think the first time his teammates even heard about it because Baker Mayfield said he didn't hear anything about this. And, she, and, you know, I don't think that this is something that would go unsaid in a locker room. This is the first time that any, that he, he has claimed that Mason Rudolph said this. And Mason Rudolph has vehemently denied it. Um, and, and here's why I don't entirely believe this story. Not only because it took a week to, to, to say this when Miles Garrett, you know, obviously could have told anybody in the locker room. Somebody, anybody. Um, it's because the narrative for that he that maybe Mason Rudolph said this happened on social media like basically right after the incident happened so part of me thinks that Miles Garrett went on Twitter and said oh wow people are saying this maybe I can just claim this right and I'm not trying to put that intent on Miles Garrett right I don't Honestly, we don't know, and we probably will never know what exactly happened between the two. But I just don't, I just can't find myself believing it. Unless some sort of hard proof comes out. No one, I mean, there are other offensive linemen around there that were in the, in the area, didn't hear it. No one else has heard this. Miles Garrett told nobody else about this. The only time this came up was in the appeals testimony. And it wasn't even supposed to hit the media. It was supposed to only go to these guys. And then Josina Anderson reported it. But Josina Anderson was the one to say, well, maybe it happened before Miles Garrett even spoke about the incident. So honestly, I really don't, I mean, I don't know, but I just don't believe it right now. If more evidence comes out, if, if there's a smoking gun somewhere, an audio recording, anything, someone else says they heard it, maybe it'll change my opinion. But right now, it just seems like Miles Garrett's trying to get a lower suspension. That's what it seems like to me. And, you know, I don't like to put mal, mal content towards anybody. Malintent. But that just, it just feels that way. It really just feels like Miles Garrett is trying to get out of a sp- suspension. Because anybody can say anything about anybody. And he didn't, it's not like he came out immediately and said to his coach, that's what happened. To send a letter to Roger Goodell, maybe, said anything. There's just, we've heard nothing about this until now. And it just doesn't make any sense why he would cover it up to then. I, I'm sorry, I don't understand. Um, now, to move on a little bit here, I want to talk about the Lamar for MVP update. Yes, you know, we're leading the campaign for Lamar Jackson as the National Football League's MVP. And, of course, you know, he flat out deserves it, in my opinion. People, First of all, people complain, comparing him. I don't know if I talked about this last week. I don't remember if it was last week or this week this happened. First of all, people are comparing him to Tyrod Taylor, okay, in his passing stats and saying, oh, he's basically Tyrod Taylor. How can we at all say he's the MVP candidate? Do, do rushing numbers just not count anymore? I mean, really, like, he is on pace to rush for about 1,200 yards last time I checked. 1,200 yards. He's 10th in the league in rushing right now. And he's an, a way above average quarterback as a passer. And he's the best rushing quarterback in the league. He's better. He's a better running back than, than um, what is it? There's 32 clubs in the NFL. He's top 10. So he's a better running back than 23 other starting running backs in the league because he has more yards. I He might even have more yards than Mark Andrews. I mean, Mark Ingram. I don't know. But listen, I mean, to say that, that it does he can't get MVP because he, his passing stats aren't enough, like, you have to be, like, really, really, really either just ignorant on this, this whole MVP race or you're just something against Lamar Jackson because this makes no sense. Those rushing numbers are so ridiculously good. If Lamar Jackson was being argued for an MVP just from his passing stats, I would laugh in your face. If you argued to me, Lamar should just be MVP over everybody else because of his passing stats, I would flat out laugh in your face. But the thing is, he is the most valuable player, not only because he can pass the ball, but because he can run the ball and just can't be stopped on the ground. That's why he's the most valuable player. It has nothing to do, well, it obviously something to do with his passing yards, but it has nothing to do 
only on his passing yards. If no one's arguing that. Anyway, um, Wade Phillips, the Rams defensive coordinator that we're going up against, in a press conference says Lamar Jackson's the most valuable player in the league. Thank you, Wade Phillips. And look, Wade Phillips is one of the best defensive minds in the National Football League's history. I don't know if you know much about Wade Phillips, but everywhere this dude goes, fantastic defenses. I'd be shocked if he could figure out a way to stop Lamar Jackson. And I think if Lamar Jackson overcomes these Rams, this Rams defense, and and, and really dominates it, um, then it just has to confirm himself as MVP because there's if Wade Phillips can't stop him, if Bill Belichick can't stop him, who can, right? That Honestly, who would be able to stop him? He's doing much more than Michael Vick ever did. And this is only his second season. I mean, the ceiling is ridiculously high for, for Lamar Jackson right now. Um, and in other news, I don't know if you noticed, but Deshaun Watson essentially conceded the MVP race and said it should be Lamar Jackson. And he did this when they jersey swapped, which, you know, someone, I forget which analyst said it, but, you know, it was kind of a cringeworthy moment there to jersey sw- swap when you get defeated 41-7. to But whatever, you know, that's what Deshaun Watson did, respected Deshaun Watson. Let me remind you all people that I said Deshaun Watson was the best quarterback in that draft class with Pat Mahomes and Mitch Trubisky, and I laughed at the Bears for picking Mitch Trubisky there. Now, granted, I didn't think Pat Mahomes was a great quarterback coming out of college, but that's not relevant. Point is that I saw Deshaun Watson going to be a very good quarterback, and I actually call him being picked by the Texans. I think I had them trading up for him, though. Um, but anyway, Deshaun Watson wrote MVP on Lamar Jackson's uh, on the jersey he was giving to Lamar Jackson. Um, that's if if that means anything to the MVP voters here, seems to me like Deshaun Watson has conceded the race, and maybe we should just I don't know hand it to Lamar now. There's only one person at this point that actually stands toe-to-toe with Lamar Jackson, and that's Russell Wilson, who's had a fantastic year. But it seems like Las Vegas, I saw a um, post that Las Vegas, all the betters in Las Vegas now favor at this point Lamar Jackson to win the MVP award over Russell Wilson, over Pat Mahomes, over Christian McCaffrey, um, and over Deshaun Watson. He seems to be the odds-on favorite. Um, of course, you know, Kirk Cousins is somehow in the mix too, but I don't think he's going to win it. I think it's going to be Lamar Jackson just because nobody has any answer for him. He, he is the most valuable player in the league. You, I mean, obviously the Ravens have an offense tailored around him and, and it, he wouldn't succeed to the level he is succeeding without the scheme, without some of the players they have on this, this roster. That's a fact. Okay. You know, a quarterback success is not only tied to himself, it's tied to the players around him. But he is very, very good on his own. And the way the Ravens schemed for him makes him even better to the point where it's just, how many times can you tackle this dude? I mean, it seems like they can't tackle him. He's the most valuable player, in my opinion, by far. And I'm glad that Wade Phillips, I'm gl- glad that Deshaun Watson gave him some respect there in that MVP race. Because a lot of people are still, are still, for some reason, extremely opposed to a Lamar Jackson MVP candidacy mvp award um honestly i think that they're just you know i i honestly don't know honestly i wish i had an answer for it i really wish i did um but some people just don't don't think he's even a good quarterback right now some people still think he can't throw as we talked about earlier some people think baltimore hates him you know just depends on who you listen to and what you say um, so we'll be right back after this quick commercial break and we'll head into the second half of Nest Talk here. But first I want to talk again about our sponsors, Bunny's Home Care. Um, if you're having trouble finding a suitable care for an aging parent or loved one, um, you know, check out Bunny's Home Care. Uh, they take a holistic approach to match your loved one with, with a caring, compassionate, and reasonable caregiver who will help improve the overall health and well-being of your family member or loved one from the moment you contact Bunny's Home Care. Uh, and speak with Bunny, you will feel how personal and important your loved one is to her and her staff. Not only does each caregiver go through a rigorous background check and training process, a registered nurse will meet with each client and create a customized care plan based on their specific personality and needs. Caregivers can help with things such as bathing, walking, dressing, companionship, medication management, transportation, shopping, and much more. Bunny's Home Care accepts private pay and all long-term care insurance plans and will work directly with you. 
and your, your long-term care insurance provider to help ease the burden. Call them today at 443-842-6700 or go to the website and read all the five-star reviews at bunnieshomecare.com. Bunnies Home Care is a licensed, bonded, and insured home care agency in the state of Maryland. Um, thank you again to Bunnies Home Care for sponsoring this episode of Nest Talk. We can't do it without these great sponsors. And of course, again, Foco.com, fantastic deal for all the feather flockers out there, Nest Talk listeners and Baltimore feather readers, 10% off your entire purchase of Ravens gear, of Orioles gear, of anything you want on, on Foco.com. Great gifts for, for your children, for a holiday. Maybe you want to get a bobblehead for your diehard um, Orioles fan uncle. You know, they've got it all there. 10% at Foco.com, 10% off. That's Feather 10, Feather number 10 at the end for 10% off your entire purchase at Foco.com. Make sure you use that promo code. Helps out the blog, the podcast, and as well as helping you because 10%, especially if you're getting a few things there, it can really add up and help you save some money. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about um, the situation regarding Baltimore's coordinators. Obviously nothing bad to say about them. Wink Martindale has done a tremendous job scheming this defense, especially after the the whole destruction in the first few games of the season where the defense was just plain bad. Um, him and Eric DeCosta got some new players in, and they were able to, and he was able to scheme for those new players, and honestly it's been fantastic. There has been, I think, not a mo- more improved defense this year than the Baltimore Ravens defense um, after the midseason point. But, you know, and then, of course, you've got Greg Roman in here, um, the offensive coordinator, who really has done a fantastic job as, as as the offensive coordinator, scheming for Lamar Jackson and making some of these plays, um, game plans, what have you, the best they possibly can be for the mobile quarterback, using his arms and his legs, not something we thought we would see um, from Lamar Jackson for a little bit longer than this, especially at the level he's doing. Uh, he's performing at. Here's the thing, though. A lot of people are starting to talk about Greg Roman and Wink Martindale as head coaches. Now, it was the talk was more about Greg Roman because, yes, there's a lot of offensive-minded guys out there that want an offensive coordinator that has had a fantastic run with the team to come in and turn their team around. But now Wink Martindale is also being thrown out there. And the Ravens conceivably could lose both these guys. Let's face it, the Ravens could lose both these coordinators this upcoming year, which would be tragic, which would honestly be one of the worst things that happened for Baltimore, you know, for a long time here. And I don't say that really because, you know, I don't think there are other coordinators that the Ravens wouldn't be able to get or there's no one else out there that could do a job that's good. I say that because the Ravens have found these guys that work perfectly with the way the team is built, with the culture the team has, it all just seems like it's so perfect together. And losing these guys, there's really no one that can replace them with that measure. There are guys who can scheme, there are everything, but the defense rallies around Wink Martindale. They didn't rally around DMPs like that. Wink Martindale, there's a reason he's in those pictures at the end of every game. They take that defensive picture. It's Wink Martindale in there too. Ever notice that? He's in a lot of them. You know, he just fits the culture of that defense with the mullet and everything, the way he is, a tough guy. He's just like a player's coach, but not one that's going to sacrifice the way the team plays, right? He's not going to be light on his players, but those players really rally around him. And the same thing goes for Greg Roman. The offense rallies around Greg Roman. Maybe not so much, but the scheme is really remarkable for Greg Roman, and he really understands how to make everything work. And I really feel like, you know, losing both one or both of these guys, obviously, you know, to go out and get a head coaching job for Roman or for Martindale would be a tremendous, tremendous opportunity. And if they take it, then all power to them. I hope they have a great time wherever they go. But it really would hurt the Ravens. It really would, because these guys are so well molded with this. And that's a problem. When you find great coordinators, it's hard for them to stick around for a while. You can have consistency like Cam Cameron can have consistency with Dean Pease, guys who do a good enough job. But do you want a good enough job, or do you want a spectacular job, one that we see the Ravens going through right now with a very good offense and a very good defense right now? That defense has been so improved since Marcus Peters arrived. And I saw a, a story that when Marcus Peters arrived, you know, the defensive backs 
friendly but weren't like a brotherhood. They they didn't even eat together. Now they eat together all the time. Marcus Peters came in, treated them all to dinner. They go out like at least once a week. So, I mean, it's about establishing a culture with the Ravens, and that's what both these coordinators have done. And it seems to me that they're indispensable to that culture because they're both a part of that. And whether or not they stay, you know, it's not really in the Ravens' hands because there are going to be teams like are going to be interested in both these guys. Now, will they both be good co- head coaches because they're good coordinators? You know, there are guys who go out from being a coordinator and just can't be a head coach. I mean, Rex Ryan might be the perfect example. One of the best defensive minds in the NFL is and was Rex Ryan. But as a head coach, he was not very good. I mean, no offense to Rex Ryan, but he didn't get the job done. But as a defensive coordinator, he was a fantastic, fantastic coordinator. One of the best. So when you have guys like this, and I'm not saying they can't do it. You know, I'm not even going to, you know, really speculate on that. But, you know, it'll be a, it'll be adjustment wherever they go if they go. Now, the Ravens, of course, could try to open the pocketbook and, and keep them here. But honestly, the allure of being a head coach, an NFL head coach, is just so big that I don't know how much money the Ravens could possibly pay these guys to keep them in Baltimore. I really don't know if the Ravens could even be able to do that. It doesn't seem possible to me to pay them enough money to keep them here, to pay them enough money so they don't go to another team as a coordinator. Yes, absolutely. But to turn down a head coaching job, I don't think that's a reasonable strategy. They can try it. But, you know, if Miami came calling for Dean Pease, I'm not sorry, not Dean Pease, Wake Martindale, and offered him $10 million a year, are you going to be paying Wink Martindale more than you pay John Harbaugh? I don't think so. So who knows? Who knows what the future will hold? But, you know, there is a lot of talk about these two being available in the head coaching search when it comes up, and I really wouldn't doubt that both these names, in the end, are in, in, in the circles of head coaching gigs. I really wouldn't doubt it. And we'll see how it plays out. But especially, especially with the mobile quarterback revolution – you know, that we are seeing more and more of here. Greg Roman, honestly, definitely would be a really hot commodity and a team looking to improve its defense. Wake Martindale definitely is a guy that a lot of teams out there are going to be looking at, you know, as a head coach. Okay, so it's time for some questions. We got a question today from a listener named Pablo Rivera. And Pablo asks um, a question about Lamar Jackson. And this is an interesting question, I think, that really, you know, it's difficult to answer, but he says, do you believe that the Ravens with the dual threat quarterback lead an offense past the division round having minimal playoff experience? And Pablo, that's a very fantastic question here because, you know, when you look back at, at Joe Flacco, you know, Joe Flacco, no matter what you could say about Joe Flacco, this one thing that always held true, and that is he played differently in the playoffs. You know, a lot of people thought that his composure was just too cool. He wasn't ever, never had to meet up like super high up moments where like he was getting super excited, but he never seemed to be very low either. But that's what made him really good in the playoffs, right? It's because the magnitude of the game didn't catch up to him. It was just another game for him, and he would go out and he'd try to win it. And that was all that he wanted to do was win the game. It, didn't, it wasn't win the AFC championship. It was just win the football game. Same kind of mentality maybe Tom Brady would have. You know, it's but Lamar Jackson's a very different quarterback, not only – Is he mobile, fast, you know, basically the opposite of what Joe Flacco was in that department. But he's extremely emotional. And you see it all the time. And it makes him fun to watch, yeah. But the question is, you know, would this offense have that same success? You know, would the magnitude of the game get to Lamar Jackson? And especially as a young player. I mean, it definitely, the magnitude of the game could definitely wear off if he kept going there over and over and over again, right? But you saw in last year's Chargers game, it was a complete flop. Complete. I don't expect the same thing to happen. In all honesty, I really don't. I think last year was a learning situation for Lamar Jackson. A big learning moment. In the divisional round this year, assuming they get the first round by, we're going to assume that for now because that's where they are, and the question is, is about the divisional round. Can they get past the divisional round? With his minimal playoff experience, I think yes. I think absolutely yes. Will they is another question, but can they? Yes. Look, the scheme itself, no one's been able to stop it, Pablo. 
Not a single person, not a single coordinator, not a single defender, not a def- nobody has been able to stop this scheme, this Baltimore Ravens scheme. Lamar Jackson is an MVP candidate for a reason. Let's say he goes out there in the divisional round and the Houston Texans come to town. Is he going to be scared of the Houston Texans at home in, in M&T Bank Stadium with all the crowd? With that Chargers game in mind, I think he's just going to treat it as another game. I don't think he's going to look at it as, oh my God, it's the divisional round. A win here gets me the AFC Championship. No, I think he's going to just go out there and play the game. I don't, I don't know what's going through Lamar's head in that Chargers game, but he looks way different. Way different. And of course, he wasn't the passer he is today. He did a lot of offseason work. Um, as we all know, and he, his mechanics are so much better. It's ridiculous if you look at the tape how different it is and how much better it is, how much improved it is. But he's going to be able to go out there and draw on the experience of the, the wild card loss to the Chargers last year. He's going to draw on the experience of an entire season as a starting quarterback. Remember, that was only, I think, his ninth start, the Chargers game last year in the, in the wild card. So, you know... Not exactly an ideal situation. Maybe it was his eighth start. It was something like that for a very young quarterback to be in. But this year, I think they definitely will be able to get past the divisional round so long as the scheme still holds, it's still as strong, so long as the team is still intact and that you know they face an opponent that they believe they'll be able to beat. Now, you know, it, honestly, what team can't they beat right now? In a regular season setting, what team can't they beat? The only teams they've lost to are the Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's before the entire defense was rearranged, before Lamar Jackson really started showing himself as the MVP. So as long as the Ravens take advantage of the experience Lamar Jackson generates this season, and then, of course, that bad experience from last year where he now knows what not to do, how not to prepare for a game, how not to act during a game, I don't think Lamar Jackson's minimal playoff experience will really hinder him. You know, Ben Roethlisberger won a Super Bowl in his second year, I believe it was. Maybe it was his third. I don't think there's a reason Lamar Jackson wouldn't be able to do the same, especially with the team that's built around him and so much improved defense. Because really, I mean, look, he can keep scoring all he wants, but if that defense doesn't stop anybody, they're not going anywhere. That defense is so much better. And when you have those two components put together into one team, it's going to be very difficult to to start to beat these guys, these Ravens, even if Lamar Jackson, for some reason exploded on midfield and, and couldn't complete a pass, I honestly think this defense would be able to hold strong enough and that running game to prove formidable enough to hold off any sort of opposing challenge from another team. But thank you, Pablo, for the question. I thought it was a really interesting question there, you know, especially with the past of, of Flacco factoring into it. Okay, so of course, last week we had the Texans game, which was really fantastic. I was there. It was pretty cold, you know, a nice cold day up in the rafters. And we expected a really nice game between these two teams. We didn't get that game. No, we got a complete Ravens domination of the Texans. And look, I'll take the complete domination over a close game any day. But I was kind of looking forward to a close game. Now, it actually was close for the entire first quarter. In the first quarter, you had the Texans and Ravens tied at zero. Um, and a lot of people were, were basically saying to me on Twitter and, and other places, that the Ravens were, were going to lose this game. It just felt like one of those games the Ravens were just not destined to win. They just come in and start fluttering and couldn't win. And and honestly, I felt the same thing. I felt like the Ravens not being able to move the ball early was going to hinder them. And ultimately, they were going to probably lose because they weren't able to get these Texans, Texans off their back. When you let a team hang around, bad things happen. And that's exactly what I was thinking. But once the second quarter started, all of a sudden, I mean, the Ravens just started an onslaught. Like, where did it, like, literally, the second quarter happens, and a few plays in, they go down and score. And they score again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again. Until we have 41 points on the board at the end of the regulation, and seven points for the Houston Texans given up. And that seven points came in garbage time, mind you. Those seven points came from a Carlos Hyde 40-some yard rush that really no Raven wanted to go get him and, and risk injury because it was a 34 to whatever game at that point, zero, something like that. It's really remarkable. The Ravens didn't even punt in this game. They Tucker missed a, Tucker missed a kick. I don't know what's going on here with Tucker, but he's missed some kicks recently. 
and it's been concerning. He made all those extra points, but missed a field goal. It wasn't even that long of a field goal, I don't, if I don't, if I remember correctly. But anyway, the Ravens ended up scoring, I think, five touchdowns in total. Uh, two field goals. You know, never punted the entire game. A really remarkable game for the Baltimore Ravens here. They went back to their script. They ditched the script against the Bengals. That's what they did. They, they ditched it against the Bengals. They said, the Bengals are going to come out here expecting the run. We're just going to pass all over them. That's not what they did here. They they ran the ball pretty well here. Look, they got they did get 235 yards in the air, but they got 256 on the ground. Uh, 112 came from Gus Edwards, who had a good day. A really nice run towards the end of the game, too. I think it was for a touchdown. Uh, Lamar Jackson on the ground had a nice day as well. I think he had 60-some. Uh, let's just check him out here. Yeah, he had 79 yards, actually, on the, on the ground. Mark Ingram, 48 on the ground, but then another 37 through the air and two touchdowns in the air. What a day for this entire offense got involved, really. Uh, Mark Andrews, four receptions, 75 yards. When you look at the total yardage compared with these two teams, and mind you, this was, the Houston Texans were the fourth-best rush defense in the National Football League coming into this game. They gave up. 491 total yards, 256 rushing yards, and 235 passing yards. And I said they should fo- the Ravens should focus on the passing game because the Houston Texans' pass defense was so bad that I thought that would be the best matchup there. But nope, they just decided we're going to dominate them everywhere. Um, 36 minutes and 19 seconds, time of possession for the Ravens, only 23-41 for the Texans. Deshaun Watson as a whole was just not very good in this game, which, I mean, really, I think, takes him out of the MVP conversation, unless he has a miraculous, you know, last six games here, because if you lose head-on to an MVP candidate to this, you get beat this bad, it's very difficult for MVP voters to say, yeah, Watson over over Jackson here. He had 18 of 29 passes completed for only 169 yards and an interception I think it's his lowest quarterback rating for all season or something like that. Maybe his lowest um, completion rating. I, I don't remember. I wrote a recap article on BaltimoreFeather.com earlier this week. If you want more information that's more accurate, go there. But I don't, honestly, I don't remember what I re- wrote in terms of stats. The only guy who had somewhat of a good day was Hopkins, but he only had 80 yards and no touchdowns, uh, and he didn't catch five of his targets. So it wasn't fantastic for him, but it was still something that you, know, you could say um, was decent enough. To be considered good. Now the Texans actually won their game last night against the Colts, twenty to seventeen. So that puts them back in first place of the AFC South. So they're still in this whole shebang here, and could even be in, in the conversation for a first round bye. But they will have to get past the Patriots, um, try and get a tiebreaker there because you know if they lose to the Patriots and the Ravens, I think the first round bye conversation is pretty much over for them. Especially you know being three games, it, they could be three games behind the Ravens by next week. Um, should they lose to the Patriots. But, you know, the Ravens fans are going to want are gonna want them to beat the Patriots here. It'll even out the playing field. And, of course, a Ravens win would put the them in, in conversation, in control of the first overall seat, as we only have six games left, including this Monday night game. I mean, we are coming right down to the edge, uh, to the end of football season here. It's getting really exciting. But going back to this Texans game, Carlos Hyde, nine carries for 65 yards. That 41-yard rush at the end of the game really inflated those numbers. It's from an average of 7.2 yards per carry. Before that, it was three. It was three yards a carry. I remember that from my writing. And that touchdown there comes from that. And it was like the second-to-last drive, too, when no one was really doing anything anymore. I mean, it is really remarkable the Ravens were able to do this at the Houston Texans. The whole purpose of this game, and people wanted to flex this Sunday night. Honestly, thank God it didn't get flexed this Sunday night for the, heck, for the Texans' sake. For our sake, it would have been hilarious. For the Texans' sake, they would have been embarrassed on national television. They actually pulled the plug on this game on CBS because I started getting tweets. I'm like, they just people were saying they pulled the plug, you know, out of market guys because this game was shown throughout the, most of the country. Anybody out of the Baltimore market lost the game. So everybody in the Baltimore market that didn't know that, there you go. They lost the game because this game was such a blowout. They turned on, I think it was the Vikings and Broncos, which actually was a much closer game than expected. The Vikings came back and won it in remarkable fashion. But again, this game really shows that the Ravens are a league above the competition here. Now, they get to finish the rest of the season undefeated? Probably not. But, I mean, 
the Texans, that a team that everybody expected to compete with the Baltimore Ravens to be one of the better showdowns in in the league um, this week, it didn't happen. It just didn't happen. There were no answers for the, for the Ravens by the Texans. They had nothing that they could do to stop Baltimore. And it honestly starts. To, it's starting to feel like we're a dynasty. We're going to be a dynasty again. You know, the 08 to 2012, where they went to the playoffs five times in five years, it really feels like under Lamar Jackson, we're going to have something similar happen. Maybe even better. Maybe we come out with more than one Super Bowl. And I'm not just saying that because I'm, I'm hyped about the season. I really am hyped about the season, but I'm not just saying that because I'm really hyped about the season. I really think the way the Ravens are playing, if it's sustainable, how many teams are going to be able to stop this? I really don't know. But anyway, you know, that's a little bit off topic here. But that's the Texans game. There's not much more to say here other than they completely dominated the Texans 41-7. I mean, Lamar put on a show. He had another fantastic run down the middle. And his quarterback rating, 139.2. Honestly, I would not be surprised if he gets another perfect passer rating by the end of the season. Maybe when he plays the Jets or something. Because honestly, the way he's passing the ball is nearly flawless out here. And the way he's running it is flawless. So, fantastic game against the Texans, but of course, we're not done here. We have another game coming up against an opponent that, you know, we should not take advantage of, or take for granted here. And that's the Los Angeles Rams. And you might think to yourself, the Rams this year, they're just not good. Right? I mean, they're better than the average team, but they're not Ravens good. They're not, they weren't Texans good. They barely beat the Bears. I mean, that was a slop. That's a slop fest is what it was. It was just a bad, sloppy game between the Bears and the, and the Rams. Jared Goff does not look good this year. It's almost like he's reverting back to the old Jared Goff. No one knows exactly what's going on with these these Rams. Maybe Sean McVay's you know, deal with the devil expires, something like that. But they're not the same Rams. But listen, listen. It's still tough to go to L.A. on a Monday night and win in LA. And I'm really, look, I'm hesitant to say this is going to be a Ravens win. Honestly, I might predict a loss here. Just because we're on a six-game winning streak and these guys are desperate because, you know, the Seattle Seahawks are running that division. Well, no, I'm sorry. The Seattle Seahawks and, and the San Francisco 49ers are running that division right now. Two of the best teams in the NFC in one division. You have the Vikings and the Packers in the same division, too you know, trying to make the playoffs. So room for the, 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 the Rams in the playoffs is scarce. They need some big wins to get in the playoffs, and the most dangerous teams are desperate teams, and I think they're desperate. Now, there's three key players. Before we go into those three key players, first of all, we got to say it's the return of the color rush because this, this is going to be a color rush game for the Ravens. I think I, think I heard that the Rams are going to wear a color rush too. So it's going to be purple and yellow out there, which is going to be kind of interesting. I saw somebody say it's like that old um, jelly and peanut butter thing, you know, where they mix the two together and it kind of comes out like a swirl. It's going to be like that. You know, okay, it's going to be funny looking, definitely. But, you know, Color Rush jerseys are back. That's going to be, you know, a little added bonus to the night if you like our jerseys. Maybe you don't. Um, but some injuries we have to talk about before, there, before we get into this whole thing. Um, there's only a few here. Malcolm Brown... Not injury-related absence on Thursday. And look, the Rams, they put their injury report on their website. So I don't know what's going on with the Ravens. They're behind schedule, but the Rams had it. And the Rams are like three hours behind us. So Rob Havenstein, tackle, knee injury, did not participate on Thursday. Johnny Hecker, the punter, had an illness. He was not participating on Thursday. Josh Reynolds, the wide receiver, was also sick. He did not participate on Thursday's practice. Darius Williams, the defensive back, had an ankle injury. He did not participate Brandon Cooks, wide receiver, has a concussion, but he is supposed to be a full participant, or was a full participant in Thursday's practice and should be back for this game. Now, I don't know if, well, Malcolm Brown probably will, will play. Um, I don't know exactly what his role is with them because they have Todd Gurley at running back, but, you know, he will probably play because it wasn't injury-related. Haven't seen, I don't know if he'll play or not. Hecker and Reynolds, I would expect to play just because they were sick. You can get over that pretty quickly. Darius Williams, I'm not sure. And Brandon Cooks, I know for a fact, is scheduled to play against the Baltimore Ravens. So that's the injury report there. And Brandon Cooks is actually one of our key players. Because, look, 
Jared Goff needs some help, right? He's not the same player he was. This dude's a speed burner. He's their best wide receiver. He's a guy that maybe could give Jimmy or Marcus or whoever is going up against Marlon, you know, some trouble. He's a very good wide receiver, Brandon Cooks. People forget that. You know, he's going to be, I think, key to this offense. It's air attack, everything about it. And Jared Goff, another key player in this game, you know, obviously he has to play better. He has to play much better. He hasn't had the season that he had last year. He looks like he's regressing. But the bright lights of a Monday night game at their home stadium against the best team, they're going to be desperate. He's going to have to make some throws. And if he can come out with those throws, some tight throws against a good opponent, maybe, just maybe, he can pull off an upset here. Now, the third key player, of course, is going to be Clay Matthews. Now, I debated whether Jalen Ramsey should be involved here because we only have three key players every week. Jalen Ramsey is going to be a key player, but not the key player. I think Clay Matthews putting on the pass rush against, if he's up against Stanley, he's a little banged up. You know, Matthews still has it in him. I think he's got seven sacks this year. Still has it in him. I think that Clay Matthews is going to, is going, actually, is going to, to put a beating on Stanley if he's not fully healthy, if he's not ready to go fully, because, you know, he's not going to be full strength. So now does that mean that Stanley's going to fail against him? No, but it's going to be a tough matchup for Stanley. It's going to be a tough matchup for, for Matthews as well, an aging veteran versus a young pro who's banked up. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see who can pull off in that that battle right there. Um, also worth mentioning, of course, is Ramsey. What's he going to do with Marquise Brown or whoever he lines up against? And then, of course, you've also got um, Aaron Donald and Todd Gurley in there. Donald, you know, a little bit down this year, but still a very good interior interior pass rusher. Gurley, you know, he's been having some struggles with injury and such. But again, he's a fantastic runner, and maybe if they can't pass, running the ball will do them wonders. So that's pretty much it for today's episode of Nest Talk. Again, we have some more announcements coming next week. Um, regarding the future of the podcast. So I want you to check in next week for that. Uh, thank you again to Bunny's Home Care. Um, again, Bunny's Home Care, one of the best um, home care agencies in Baltimore. If you're having trouble finding a suitable care for an aging parent or loved one, uh, you can call them. They take a holistic approach to match your loved one with a caring, compassionate, and responsible caregiver who will help improve the overall health and well-being of your loved one. From the moment you contact Bunny, uh, you'll feel how personal and important your loved one and their care is to her and the staff. Not only does each caregiver go through a rigorous background check and training process, a registered nurse will also meet with each client and create a customized care plan based on the specific personality and needs. Caregivers can help with such things as bathing, walking, dressing, companionship, medication management, transportation, shopping, and much more. Bunny's Home Care accepts private pay and all long-term care insurance plans and will work directly with you for your Long and your long-term care insurance provider to help ease the burden. Call them today at 443-842-6700 or go to the website and read all the five-star reviews at www.bunnieshomecare.com. Bunny's Home Care is a licensed, bonded, and insured home care agency in the state of Maryland. And of course, again, you can go to foco.com, use the promo code FEATHER10 at your checkout for 10% off your entire purchase of all NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, NCAA merchandise. Of course, the Ravens are in there. The Orioles are in there. Maybe you have a Green Bay Packers fan uncle. For this Christmas, you can find perfect gifts for everybody. And that 10% off expires December 12th, so use it soon. But, of course, it definitely helps you save money. And you can do all your Christmas shopping in one spot. So go to foco.com and use the promo code FEATHER10 at checkout. So thank you again for listening to Nest Talk, episode 54. We will hit you again next week as we recap the Rams game uh, and look ahead to the Ravens' next opponent, which, I uh, yes, will be the San Francisco 49ers. I forgot there for a moment. But the San Francisco 49ers will be an interesting matchup for the Ravens, especially coming off of this Rams game. So thank you again uh, for listening to this podcast, and we will see you after Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving as well. Um, and, of course, uh, we hope to see a Ravens victory on Monday night, and we will see you next Friday. Nest Talk 55. Again, you can find us on Twitter at Be More Feather or at Nest Talk. You can find me on Twitter at Chris Linfont. Search us on Facebook, Nest Talk or The Baltimore Feather. Go to TheBaltimoreFeather.com for the latest, greatest Ravens news and opinion articles. Subscribe to the newsletter to get them right in your inbox. 
And of course, if you're listening on iTunes, make sure to subscribe on iTunes. If you're listening on YouTube, make sure to rate and subscribe on YouTube. And of course, if you have any questions for next week's episode, make sure you put them in the YouTube comments. We will reach out to you. Uh, not reach out to you, but we will see your comments, maybe uh, like them on the YouTube page so you know we will we will address them in the next episode. So once again, this is Chris Linfont signing out for Nest Talk. Have a great week, everybody.